Don't Call Me Girl Boss is a podcast dedicated to sharing the journey, struggles, and successes women small business owners go through. I host Jessica Buck, a small business owner myself, interviews women who haven't made a million dollars yet. I interview women at any stage of owning a business and focus on the struggles so listeners can really relate to the guest. I hope in listening to this podcast, you find your go-to source to get the real scoop of what it is like to be a woman small business owner. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. This week is a pretty big week um, coming up. They uh, had just have passed a new stimulus package for COVID-19, our government, and in there is business assistance and an extra $300 a month for unemployment. As more information comes out about what this is going to give to small businesses, I will make sure to include all that information in this intro next week. And if I really do feel like there's important information that I need to share sooner, I will do a bonus episode to make sure everyone's educated as possible and getting the funds that they should be getting to support their business during these crazy times. I have been passionate about the PPP loan and educating business owners on what they qualify and I just really want everyone to get it if that's something they need. I am going to do my best to walk everyone through my steps of getting the new stimulus package and the new PP loan. So I will be including that on every, every episode moving forward, the steps I took that week to get further to get my actual funding. So stay tuned for that. I promise to do as much as I can to just bring education to this because I know it is hard when there's so much information out there. You don't know what's true or is it the old PP? Is it the new one? When did this news come out? I mean, it's just so hard to keep up with, so I totally get it. So I hope to be a place that you can come to for support with all of these things. This week is also also Christmas. I am super excited. My son is two. He's going to be two in the end of January. So it's his first Christmas. He kind of knows what's going on. So I'm super excited, and I hope you are enjoying Christmas with whatever capacity that means seeing family, not seeing family. I know this year has just been something else. So um, however you're celebrating it, I hope it is a good one. And this week I have on Nicole Ricardo. She owns her own marketing company. So she does social media marketing and she does ebook education and she designs websites. So she basically does everything You'll, you need your business to be doing online. And I actually met Nicole through um, spray tanning, of course. I do like free, spray, the first uh, one free spray tan with Erin So Stratton's bloggers that she does photos for. And I'll give them a free spray tan. Um, in exchange, I get like the photos and I get access to it and they usually tag me. And Nicole happened to be one of those clients. So I met her. And I walked into her house and she had this whole cool like setup and I was like, oh my gosh, what do you do for work? I had like just started following her and hadn't really like stalked her yet. And I looked over and I was like, you have like the coolest setup. And so that's how we started talking. And then I started the podcast and then I think I was like, hey, I would love for you to be on. I just didn't know much about her, but I liked her right away. And um, after following her on Instagram for a while, I was like, wow, this girl knows what she's talking about as well. So 
I have Nicole on this week. We go over so many important topics, such as pricing. I know pricing is such a big thing when it comes to social media. Like, what are you worth? (laughs) Do you start out charging X amount? It just, there's so many questions, and Nicole really breaks it down in this episode. Um, She also goes over social media tips, how she got into her business, and also why she's pivoting out of doing social media management, which I thought was very interesting and actually really smart on her end. So I'm excited for you guys to get to know her more and answer some of these questions. So without further ado, here is Nicole. In Florida, and it's funny because my entire family, they're actually from Chicago, (laughs) but... I, myself and my little brother, were actually the only two that were not born there. We were born in Sarasota, Florida. And so that is where we grew up, like 10 minutes from the best beach in the U.S. <laughs> How was that? Were you like a total surfer? Oh, no. I'm. It's so funny because I actually, like, I love the beach. The beach is my happy place. But I'm one of those people, I mean, it's a little bit different now since I don't live there, but like I growing up, I would only want to go there for like 10 minutes and then leave, you know, because I would just get so over it. It's like you go, you got sand everywhere. You're like picking sand out of your hair for weeks afterwards. It's all over your car. So I think it's, I don't know, I guess like growing up living next to it, it was just a little bit like okay, yeah, the beach is great. We love the beach. But also, like, I don't really want to go to the beach. Well, I grew up in California, like, 30 minutes from the beach, and I was the same way. I, like, don't like the beach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's different now that I don't live near it. You know, I definitely, like, just this, you know, the smell of the salt water and, like, the sounds and everything. It's definitely my happy place. And, like, oh, I so wish now. I'm, like, I just want to go, like, chill, relax, you know. But it's, like, it's different when you go and just like sit there, you know, versus like, okay, let's go to the beach. You know, you have your, yeah. like, your like cooler, your towels, your blah, blah, blah. You're going to be out there all day like that. I cannot do. <laughs> yeah. Now that I have a son, it's like, I have to be that person. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> when we go to the beach next summer and it's like, okay, we're doing this because <laughs> he'll love it. Yeah. Oh, it'll be so cute. He'll be so happy. Yeah. Um, So what did your parents do growing up or did they own their own business or anything like that? No, my um, mom, she is like in charge of the after school care program for a couple of schools in Sarasota. Um, Well, I guess I should say the before and after school care. So I mean, like she is like, she is the boss. She's the one in charge. So I Mm -hmm. definitely was used to that, but um, no, she never owned her own business. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it though, I think my dad at one point did own his own like car detailing business but I think that was only for like a short time um but yeah they neither one of them I would classify as like entrepreneurial (laughs) what did your dad do well I couldn't tell you because I haven't talked to him in like 10 years so (laughs) that's how I am with my mom I get it yeah so who knows (laughs) (laughs) same with mine I'm like she's gone in and out of owning businesses to doing nothing like I can't even keep up so I totally get that yeah (laughs) what was your first paying job um let's see my first paying job 
Uh, I think it was actually working. Yeah, it was working for my mom because I ended up being one of the um, the group leaders for her at one of the elementary schools that she worked at. And I had I was the kindergarten group leader. So I have my little group of, you know, 20 kindergartners. And oh, God, they're so cute. I just like love kids that are that age because they're so honest, you know, like you cannot get away with anything. Like if you look good, you know, and a kid, a little kid tells you, it's like, dang, I look good today. But you know, most of the time they're like, Miss Nicole, what's wrong? You don't look so good today. I'm like, gee, thanks, kid. That's funny. How was that? Was that fun? <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you know, it's just I just feel like kids at that age are are a lot of fun. So, <laughs> yeah. What um did that influence you to want to get into anything with kids, like in high school or anything like that? Oh no, it definitely. Um, <laughs> I I was like, you know, like I'm good with kids, but it's like. Like, I like other people's kids, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I can can hang out with you for, like, a couple hours and then go back to your parents and have fun. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, it was fun for the, you know, couple hours a day that I would do it and then they would go home. But then after that, I'm like, no, I'm, we're, we're done working with kids. (laughs) So that was the, the one and only time that, that I worked with kids, actually. (laughs) What did you want to be out of high school? I wanted to be a flutist pretty much from the time I was in, well, I started playing flute when I was in fourth grade, but from the time I was in seventh grade, I um, made the decision, I'm going to be a professional flutist. And so that's what I wanted to be all through um, middle school, through high school. I went to a performing arts high school where um, I was, you know, half my day was music. Even when I was in high school, I even performed in Carnegie Hall twice, which is crazy. And then I did go to school for music. So that's what my my bachelor's and my master's are in. And I was doing flute for a while, kind of freelancing around. But Ooh, that, I mean, it's that transition is a whole ordeal. (laughs) Yeah. So what was that even like? I feel like that's like wanting to be like an actress or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, pretty much it's, um, it's a lot of fun, you know, and I mean, most musicians, like that's why we do it, right? Because it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun and you just love the, you know, being on stage and performing. And I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, go on stage and then you come off and everybody's applauding you and, oh my God, you did so good. That was amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a really awesome experience. And after I graduated, you know, my, one of the things that gets me real jazzed up is in music school. And I know a lot of arts programs are like this they teach you your craft, right? Like you get really, really good. I was a really good flutist, but they teach you nothing on how to actually make money doing it. It's kind of, you graduate. It's like being a cosmetologist. I hear that all the time. It's like, they teach you your craft, but they don't teach you that you're basically becoming your own business. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, what happens is most people graduate and they like cross their fingers and like, okay, great. I'm going to try to win an audition or whatever. But like winning those, it's, it's like a, like a single digit percentage of people actually win those is, you know, I don't know the exact number, but it's like next to impossible. It's like almost, it's like trying to win the lottery, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I was freelancing for a while after I graduated, you know, I was subbing with a few different orchestras around in Florida and I, I had some private students, but it, 
it gets so exhausting so so fast when you're freelancing like that because you know the orchestras I was playing with they're in like different cities you know so I'd have to drive you know three hours at the butt crack it on to go over for this three hour rehearsal and then you have you know two hours to wait around and then you have another evening rehearsal and then you drive three hours back home and then the next day you do it all again and you know they're not they're they're barely paying you enough to like cover your time let alone the driving over there and then you know when you're driving for students I know you know (laughs) you're you know driving from this house to that house to this house and so it was just it just got really really exhausting for me because I'm a homebody (laughs) um so you know and it also like it's not stable because a lot of those things like subbing with orchestras it's one off right because you're kind of waiting for like oh if this flute player gets sick then they'll call me right or if they can't make this show then they'll call me so it's just super inconsistent um and I you know half half the time I couldn't even like pay my bills that month because it was so inconsistent so I was like okay like we're we're done with this and I need to get a nine to five because I have bills to pay and this is not does your parents like tell you like hey this is going to be a really hard career choice or anything like that no I will say that that is one thing I'm actually really grateful for my family um they never were the family which oh my god most musicians I feel like their families kind of shame them about it you know like oh you want to do music like are you sure you know and they <laughs> never did that to me they were always like you know you do whatever you want to do like yeah we're gonna support you cheer you on blah 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 which I mean I think to be fair they probably also didn't know the reality of it because nobody in my family is a musician like you know they don't they don't know what the heck this entails but also just my personality type I'm that person that like if you tell me I can't do something I'm like okay watch me <laughs> so if yeah. they have had been that way with me I think that would have it would have taken me a lot longer (laughs) to figure all of this out and I still I don't know who knows I still might be out there like trying to you know drudge along and like I'm gonna make this work and I don't care if I you know maybe can't pay my bills sometimes like it's fine I'm gonna do this because you said that I shouldn't do this you know (laughs) yeah that's how I am too (laughs) so okay so you realize you need to get a nine to five and then what happened from there Yeah. So when I got my nine to five, I actually was working in the medical industry and I was like a technician and eventually (laughs) the, the owner of the practice. So this is like, I was working at one practice in Florida. Then we moved to Austin, was working at another practice here and they they would have these meetings every so often right about like oh let's you know talk about how we can be better at this better at that whatever and we had a meeting one day talking about like okay how can we increase our millennial demographic for um doing this you know this particular procedure it's elective whatever um and I just like dominated the meeting I had like statistics pulled up I'm like we need to be on social media we need to be doing this and we need to hold this like PR event and blah blah blah. and so afterwards the owner pulled me aside I was like okay so you're clearly kind of good at this do you want (laughs) to start doing this more and I was like um yes so I got to start working with their this like big wig marketing agency was like something out of mad men and so I got to start working with them really closely on the marketing and the social media marketing and we actually did redesign their entire website so doing a lot of those and so eventually you know I I was like okay I'm really enjoying doing this I think I just want to do this so I left and I ended up working out a couple other places just doing like the social media marketing side of things and then eventually I um, 
used all of that information to basically build my own career. You know, I was like, I, I know all of these things. Like I see them working. Why am I not using this to do it? I want to do. And so um, I started using, you know, social media pretty strategically. I did the whole branding process, built my website, started pitching myself, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I was able to, I built up a full private studio of students. I booked a few clients for social media management and was able to transition into doing my own thing. And then, I mean, now I actually have since transitioned out of teaching lessons because kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, in school, we're not taught how to do this stuff. So, I mean, I pretty much 100% of what I do now is is really like helping other musicians, helping other creatives and entrepreneurs that were not given this education, like, like I was, you know, helping them learn how to do this stuff as well. So I have a couple digital courses that, that teach all of this stuff. So that way, you know, you can get out there and do it too. And then my agency, um, that's the more we do it for you. If people, you know, want to hire us to, um, do their branding, do their website, do social media stuff for them. So kind of have both of those angles now, but it's been, it, I don't know, it's been really interesting just seeing how everything is kind of taken shape because it is not at all like I never would have expected that I would be doing this but now you know just kind of like looking back and like knowing my personality you know I'm like okay well this makes sense (laughs) yeah just to go back to when you were getting a job in marketing so you didn't have your degree in marketing did you have a hard time getting a job in marketing because I see that a lot like do I need a degree to get into social media marketing as a career for a nine to five? Like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think it matters at all. And I mean, the reality is when you're applying for jobs, for some of them, it's going to matter. But for some of them, it doesn't. For For me, the places that I was p- applying, they didn't care because I had experience working in marketing at like the top medical practice in this one specialty in Austin, right? So it was really easy for me to go to other practices in the same specialty. And they were like, oh, you worked here. You, you helped them. Yeah, we want to hire you. Like, we'll hire you. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, especially with working for myself, like, I literally have never been asked for my resume to see my LinkedIn. To, like, I've never been asked for any of that because really what it comes down to for, for social media, for marketing is you have to have the results to prove it. Right. And so like, I have the numbers, I have the data, I have the reviews, the testimonials, the screenshots, right? Like if you can show that people are going to listen to that a lot more than a piece of paper that you have hung up on your wall. Right. Um, so in my opinion, that's what really matters the most. And employers jobs that are smart that's what they would be asking for versus do you have a degree in this and then using it to weed you out so especially for social media you know if anybody else out there is wanting to do this applying for it even if a a job says like oh you need a degree in marketing or whatever even if you don't have that like apply anyway because if you have results and you could show that or if you have experience you've done it you know for yourself or you've been doing it freelancing whatever like that still counts. Experience still counts. And in my opinion, having the actual experience of doing it, that counts for way more than anything that you can learn, you know, from reading a textbook because you've actually done it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It just, I know a lot of people are hesitant. I have my boyfriend job searching and my sister right now. So I've been hearing a lot of feedback of like, oh, I don't know, to apply for it. So it was just an interesting topic because a lot of them say you need a degree, but do you really? Because I've never went to college. I tried to, it just wasn't my Mm -hmm. thing. But I had a job before I got into my business. I did social media mm-hmm. marketing and all those things. And I never had a degree. Yep. I, yeah, I don't either. And I mean, but some people won't apply just because they're like, no, it says that. But I'm like, who cares? Like, yep. just do it. Yeah. But it's, I think it's your personality. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And I think it's it's interesting because, oh, gosh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was either like Elizabeth Gilbert or Brene Brown. Um, they were having some sort of conversation on their I think it was like an Instagram live or something. It was kind of around the same thing where it's like a confidence thing almost, you know, and how like most men won't second guess like, oh, it says 10 years experience, but I have five. It's fine. I'm going to apply anyway, you know, but like as women, Mm -hmm. we're so much less likely to do that. Um, And I mean, I don't, you know, again, just kind of a confidence thing, I would guess. But yeah, it's like if you see something like that, like who cares? Just apply anyway. Like what's, what's it going to hurt? You know, it's not going to, some lightning bolt, is not going to come down out of the sky and like strike <laughs> you down? Like you applied with only five years experience and it says 10, you know, like it's, it's, it's not like that. Like yeah. just apply anyway, because who knows, like with, if, if they're asking for a portfolio or something, like you might be exactly what they're looking for, but they just maybe don't realize it yet. Maybe, you know, whoever is like on the hiring committee, you know, maybe they're, they're not in the whole social media world and don't really know how it works so they think this is the requirement that they need to ask for but like what they're looking for is actually your work that you just submitted in your portfolio you know so yeah you just just go for mm-hmm. it <laughs> I agree so walk me through the beginning stages of going from a nine to five to starting your own business like what did those early days look like yeah ooh, it was it was a lot let me tell you it's um <laughs> I, I feel like when you're like, did, wait, let's backtrack a little bit. Did you wait till you had clients before you left your nine to five or did you just go all yeah, in? Yeah, no, I, I definitely transitioned. I basically, so I went from okay. like, I had a nine to five, then I went down to four days a week and I was teaching two of the days of, of the week. So I was teaching on Mondays, working Tuesday through Friday, teaching all day on Saturday. So I was, at, I, I mean, on Sundays, I was working on the, you know, pitching myself, building my website, blah, blah, blah. So I was basically working like seven days a week. So I did make sure that I, you know, built up, I, I like had some flute students, I had some social media clients that were going to be every month, you know, I made sure that I had some, some income coming in before I, I fully made the transition. Um, and then, yeah, when I first started it, it was, it was a lot. And I feel like probably most people who branch out and start their own businesses experience the same thing. You know, when you're, you're first starting your business, you're working way more than you ever did in a nine to five. Your job hours are like from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, which I mean, is not necessarily the healthiest thing. And like, I don't know if I have the energy to ever do something like that ever again, but you know, thankfully I'm like farther along in my business where now I can have healthy boundaries and I stop working at five and I don't work on weekends and blah, blah, blah. But especially when you're first trying to get things off the ground and get your name out there, get known, get clients, like get that steady flow of people coming in. Cause I think that's the hardest thing, right? Getting that like consistent client flow. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a lot, a lot of work in the beginning, but I am glad I did it because it got me to where I am now. And I I think one of the big things that really kept me going in the beginning, there was this quote that I saw when I was like 
just starting to make this transition and it just has always really stuck with me. It's entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people can't to live the rest (laughs) of your life like most people oh wait to like most people won't entrepreneurship is living the first few years of your life like most people won't to live the rest of your life like most people can't that's what it is and yes I agree with that yeah and that really really stuck with me because I mean now you know it's been a few years and it's true. Like I literally can do whatever I want when I want. Like if I want to go pick up and work from Hawaii for a month, like I can, you know, and like you can never, you would never be able to do that having a normal nine to five or I mean doing anything other than working for yourself. Right. So yeah, it, it all paid off. It's worth it, thankfully. But oh yeah, those beginning stages, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I used to tell myself when I was doing mobile spray tans in Orange County, California, it was like, just outwork them mm-hmm. and you will succeed. Like, that's all what I used to just tell mm-hmm. me. I'd be doing a spray tan. Like, I have mobiles, like, for $20, like, dirt cheap. And it would be, like, 1130. I had just done, like, eight different mm-hmm. tans. And I'd be, like, just outwork them. Just outwork them. Like, falling asleep yep. driving. And it was, like. <laughs> yep. Oh my yeah, gosh. and I know it's like ugh, I feel like talking about stuff like this is always like, okay, who am I gonna offend? Because you know, there's the whole like, oh, hustle culture is so bad, and like it is. Yeah, you don't want to like overworking yourself sucks, and like you have to take care of yourself, all that jazz. Like I 100% agree with that, but like the reality is, if you want to be self-employed, especially when you're first starting out, like that that is what you have to do. Like I don't care what people on the internet say. Like oh, what are you going to do with all of this free time when you first start your business? Like, I have literally seen that before. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is why people don't like marketing because like people do crap like that and make it seem like unrealistic. And it's just like, it's straight up like that is, that's not true. And so it's, I just, yeah, I think it's just really important to realize like, yeah, don't, okay, don't work yourself to death. But if you want to work for yourself, the reality is in the beginning, you are going to have to work your freaking butt off. Like that's just, that's, it is what it is. (laughs) And it's not for everyone. Yeah. And as you, and as you grow, you can change your hours, you can up your pricing and be more Mm -hmm. selective. But like, you know, for the first year of my career in Austin doing my mobile spray tanning, I was driving freaking all the way to Georgetown from South Austin. And now I set boundaries because I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I still need that money. But is it realistic for me to have that client there where I have to make that drive maybe every Mm -hmm. two weeks? Like, no, Mm -hmm. it's not. Like, is it realistic for me to hire someone who will just do North spray tans Mm -hmm. next year? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but you have to get to that point of doing that grind and building some of those clients up there to do it. So you have to... Like my boyfriend's like, why are you doing that spray tan? I'm like, because you don't understand who she who she yep. might tell about this yep. spray tan. <laughs> exactly. And it's, you know, X amount of money that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Like, what else are we doing mm-hmm. right now? Yep, it's so true. So. so, how did you get some of your clients? You said you pitched. Like, what can you go into? Like, what that would look like? Yeah, and that was so for my social media clients. I'm very much. Ugh, I honestly like hate the word networking because 
you know, the connotation with networking is, okay, I'm going to show up to some event and talk to this person one time and get their business card. And then I'm going to call them when I need something, right? Like that just seems so ingenuine to me. (laughs) I prefer to look at it as relationship building, you know, because that's really what it comes down to. Like at the end of the day, like if you come to me and you're like, hey girl, I need this favor. Like I know you, I love you. I'm supporting your work. I'm really, hell yeah. What do you need? You know, versus some person that I've only talked to once like, hey girl, can you do me this favor? Like, oh, I don't know if that's worth my time, you know? So I really like, Mm -hmm. I was very strategic when I made the decision that I wanted to start my bit my own business and I you know I started using social media strategically to build relationships with people and you know I a lot of the people that I started pitching to for to become clients and if they needed social media help you know it it was people that I had built relationships with and they were small business owners or medium-sized business owners whatever but like I already knew them we had an established relationship they already knew that I you know, really loved what they were doing, truly genuinely supported their business. And so that made my conversion rates so much higher, you know, when I went in and started talking to them, like, hey, this is what, you know, this new business that I'm trying to start and blah, blah, blah. Like, is this something that would, you know, be helpful for you in any way? I can maybe take some of these things off your plate, you know, like, just let me know how the, how I can support you, right? And really coming at it more from that angle, because I know all of us on Instagram, we've all had those cold DMs, right? Right? The like, hey girl, tell me about your business, right? And then it goes into some like cold pitch, or the MLM. It's like those yeah. are the worst pitches just- ever. <laughs> like you know, they copy and paste it to every single one of their girl yeah, followers, and it's just like a cold pitch, and it's not personal at all. Like you, you know, they don't actually care about who you are, what you're doing, and then you know, if you say no, they're like guilting you, like, oh, is your health just not a priority? You know, it's like, oh my god, just like leave <laughs> me alone, you know. So like, if you're doing that, I love you, but oh, stop, please stop, don't do that. Um, so it's really, it really comes down to those relationships, you know, and genuinely connecting with people, and that. That's how I got a lot of my first clients. And then exactly like you were saying, you never know who they're going to tell, you know? And so one of the things that I did that I'm really freaking grateful to myself for thinking of this, um, you know, those first few people that you bring on kind of like you, you were saying you do it for a, a way lower price than, you know, what we probably should be getting paid to do. But I also kind of had a stipulation with that. I was like, you know, hey, like, just so you know, I this is a really, really discounted price. Like, this is what my normal rate is is going to be for this. But, you know, I truly like I love what you're doing. I really want to support you and help you. So I'm doing it for this rate. But in exchange, it would really help me, you know, if you let people know about me. You know, if anybody is asking you about your social media, like, tell them that I'm doing this. If you're doing any like speaking or blah, 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 interviews, like, please say that I'm the one that does it, you know, recommend me to people. And Mm -hmm. that was hugely impactful because now with, with the agency side of my business, to be honest, I do hardly anything to get clients. It's all referrals because I did that. And I mean, we also have a referral program in place, but yeah, I like, I hardly have to do anything for us to get clients. How many clients do you are you managing right now for social so media? So right now, I it's interesting because we are actually phasing out of doing social media with my agency because I am the only one that was really doing it. Like I do have some team members and, you know, one of them helps me with engagement because that's the most time consuming. Um, but I am actually transitioning my focus more so to my, my courses, my online courses, because with those, 
I can help so many more people, right, than if I'm just doing something one-on-one. So right now for social media, I think we have like five or six. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, over the next, you know, maybe year or so, we'll probably be kind of slowly phasing out of social media altogether. And so what we're doing more of right now on the agency side is branding and websites because with those, I... I mean, I, you know, see the final product and do some approvals along the way to make sure it's, you know, up to my insane perfectionist standards. Um, But other than that, you know, my team completely handles those. So it's pretty hands off for me in that sense, which is amazing. Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty much transitioning. Why don't you hire someone just to do the social media? I'm just curious (laughs) of like your thought process. Yeah. So my thought process is, to be honest, I... For my business model, and this is something I actually said this, like when I first started working for myself, I realized pretty quickly that doing one-on-one is there's kind of an income cap for that, you know? And so right off the bat, I kind of decided like, okay, I really want my digital courses to be the bulk of my business because I mean, with that, I'm not trading it you know, my time for that information. It's already the course is created, right? And I, you know, I can help as many people as I need in that. Um, With the agency, I do have two team members, but the the reality of why I don't want to hire, you know, just hire people to take over the social media stuff is because honestly, I'm like such a freaking perfectionist (laughs) that it's, (laughs) Like I've tried outsourcing a few parts of it. And I mean, I don't know who knows, maybe I just haven't found the right person. So if anybody's listening and you're freaking amazing at social media, you know, send me some of your work and maybe we'll see. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, with things like, like the photography, you know, you need somebody who's super, super specialized in that, which one of my team members does that great. But you know, with coming up with the copywriting for the captions and doing that with an actual overall like marketing strategy in place, you know, most social media managers just do social media, not necessarily like the the marketing side of it. So I just, you know, haven't really found the right person. And I'm just, you know, too much of a (laughs) perfectionist. Um, to have it, you know, not be perfect, but I know perfect doesn't exist. You know, that's a whole different conversation. But anyway, yeah, I just, it just seemed easier to me to like scale the course side of things because for me, it's Mm -hmm. like, like I created it. I know it's what I want, you know, versus if I try to, you know, bring on say five social media managers at the end of the day, like I'm still going to want to check all of that work to make sure it's like, what I am okay putting my name on, you know, because the agency is literally called NR Media, like Nicole Ricardo Media, you know, <laughs> so that it's just, it's just me being the block there is the, is the short answer. <laughs> no, I, it's smarter, I think, because like with me, with my business, I'm doing spray tanning and I eventually am going to phase out of that, not stop doing spray tanning. I'll hire mm-hmm. someone and phase out of me doing spray tanning because I could make way more money selling yep. my moose. Yep. Like, and it's way I'm not having to spend so much time to actually do the service. I can sell something online and focus on the yeah. marketing behind that, which is yep. smarter 
and more way more money I don't get capped out because I can only do x amount of clients exactly and it's really like it's it's just kind of that you know transitioning into that true like CEO role it's like when you first start you're in there Mm -hmm. you're in the weeds you're doing it all yourself but it's really hard when you're in the weeds to kind of think of those those big picture those longer term things like you're talking about you know but it's kind of like the reality when your business starts growing it's like you have to like level up in a position and level up in a position until you're truly in that you know CEO role like you're talking about where all you're doing is that like the marketing, the overall, the big picture. And then you just have, you know, other people who are doing the, you know, doing the work kind of stuff for you. Right. And that's, I mean, that's really how you grow and scale a business. (laughs) I remember my boyfriend would always tell me you're a service provider and not a business owner. And that was like putting a knife in your heart when you're first starting your business. But Uh now looking back, it is so true. Like, are you really a business owner? Like, yeah, you have the makings of it. But right now you are a service provider working Mm -hmm. for yourself. And I'm like, and that stuck with me a lot because it's like, what person do I want to be in my business? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And it takes, it does take a while to get there as we both know, but yeah, it's kind of that transition between like, okay, being the service provider right in there, like managing all these accounts myself or doing all these spray tans yourself, right. To kind of like a manager position where you have like some other people doing it for you and you're just checking their work then to, you know, eventually you can move somebody up into that manager position where they're checking the work for you. And then you get to be the CEO and do all of those big picture, the marketing, blah, blah, blah. Think of think about all these new awesome ways that you can you know serve people and make more money (laughs) exactly so what is how what does it take to do an ebook what platform are you using do you just do like a downloadable pdf on your website or yeah i do have a couple um digital downloads and yeah they're just pdfs and the platform that i personally use um is kajabi yeah i've heard of it yeah, and it's kind of like an all-in-one, you know, it, it makes sense for me since I have multiple digital courses because it is expensive, but hot tip for anyone out there if you do want to sell just some digital downloads, um, what I used when I was first starting is Send Owl, and it's only 9 bucks a month, and yeah, it's like super easy, you load your product in there, and um, on my website, you know, you can hyperlink the button where it just like pops up with the checkout terminal, and Send Owl will automatically send them the download and everything, it's super easy-peasy, and super super cheap. Yeah, that is a good tip. So you're creating the course. Do you create it yourself or do you have your team do it? Yeah, good question. So for the majority of the course content, it's all me. Like I'm the one that, you know, develops the the system that the courses are teaching. I do like all the training videos are going to be me. Um, the one exception, so my kind of signature program, it's called Create Your Career, which is basically like, okay, you have this big um, awesome idea, but you're not sure how to turn it into, you know, a business. Here's this program that literally walks you through, like, here's how you do your branding. Here's how you build your website. Here's how you use social media strategically. Here's how you get out and do pitching and do, you know, negotiating and contracts, all that stuff. So it's literally like, let's build it from the ground up for you. So I recently tweaked around my content and the website portion for that. And now the web designer for my agency, Taylor, who's kind of my right-hand woman, um, she did record a couple of the trainings in there, um, specifically on, you know, like actually building out the website and doing conversion-based design and formatting. So that is the the first time, this is the first time where some of the content in there is not 
all me um but we do have there are a couple like bonus training videos in both of the programs for you know, from you know just other like experts in their field like ones from you know my attorney um things like that so there are a couple you know specialized like bonus trainings but for the most part i mean it's all it's all me um yeah because so is it all so it's videos and actual text and pictures yeah so the courses the way that i have them set up and i mean really i mean every course i've ever taken they're all (laughs) different um but for mine it's all training videos there's a training video for each lesson right and it pretty much takes you through like i'm a very step-by-step person like i think i like things and like okay step one do this step two do this so that's how i set up my courses um so each step lesson has a training video of me explaining teaching everything and then some of them will have um you know like a workbook to go with it or a cheat sheet to go with it right any sort of supplemental material that will help you along the way i have some of those spread throughout um but yeah the majority of the training is just in the video trainings and then under the videos like for things like social media right things change so rapidly so sometimes i'll link below the video like okay here are some additional resources like mm-hmm. you know this this book is great or you know just as i find things so i'm i'm constantly like adding new things in there <laughs> as i find new awesome resources but um yeah so it's a little little mix of everything and then do you do facebook advertising or like instagram advertising to get sales on your ebooks So I have done a few ads before, but the thing with ads and Facebook ads is if you run an ad to a paid product or a paid offer, the conversion rates are going to be significantly lower. The smarter thing to do, and here's like a super, super high level hot tip for for everyone, is you basically want to run the ads to like the the entrance to your funnel, right? So let's say you have some sort of free opt-in. Like I have this free opt-in, you know, the five, the five must-have apps um, for Instagram, right? So I'm running my ad to that. It's, you know, people don't have to pay anything for it. They just click. They're like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to know more about that they click they sign up for it and get the free download right but once they download Mm -hmm. that it enters them into the funnel um for my program right so they're gonna get that then it's gonna go into you know uh some emails about you know about me talking about giving them some instagram tips blah 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 and eventually it's gonna funnel them through you know the sales sequence for my instagram marketing and sales course right so you're gonna have a lot more luck if you run ads to it's something free versus something paid, your conversion rates are going to go much higher. Um, but for me right now, I am not currently running any because I, when it comes to Facebook ads, it's pretty much like, unless you can be sinking in like a few thousand dollars a month, I mean, you might see some ROI, but it's not going to be anything significant, you know? So what I am currently doing, my newest course, I am in the process of scaling it to $10,000 a month in recurring revenue. And that's passive revenue. Once I get to that point, then I'm going to hire a Facebook ads manager to start running Facebook ads for the free training that then pitches that program at the end, right? Because then at that mm-hmm. point, I know I'm going to have enough money to sink into the testing phase of it, which is really like what kills <laughs> what kills it for a lot of people running Facebook ads. Because when you're first starting out, 
oh my God, there's so much testing and tweaking and like, do, do we use this image or this image? Do we target this audience or this audience or this copy? Or there's, well, there's yeah, so I'm going many through things. that right now. <laughs> yeah. So many things for the AB testing that it's like, you really, like you have to have that disposable income to sink into it right in the beginning to figure out what works for your audience and the audience that you're trying to target. So yeah, like I've been there, done that and sunk money in and still not seen the results. So that's why now I set the rule for myself. I was like, okay, we're getting a 10,000 recurring revenue with just this course. And then I'll start <laughs> messing mm-hmm. with ads again, because you know, it's, it definitely takes a bit to, to get there to figure everything out at first. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. Facebook advertising is like its own beast in itself. And mm-hmm. there's so many different books on the market to read about it. But I don't know. I'm like so iffy always about buying books about from marketers because I feel like they're just pitching themselves the whole time. Yeah. And it's like, especially with stuff like when it comes to social media specifically, like things change so freaking quickly. Like I, and it's opinion based to me. Like everyone's is like every social media marker. It's opinion based because there's Mm -hmm. no facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the big things like, okay, so perfect example. So obviously I have an Instagram course, but it's not just like, okay, here's how, you know, yeah, it has, here's hashtags, here's the algorithm, but you know, it's called the Instagram marketing and sales course for a reason, because that's more what I teach. Like those are real tangible strategies that can be timeless, you know, like it's going to work no matter what industry and no matter who you are. And the, the big thing, the big issue that I see with a lot of Instagram educators and, you know, social media marketing educators, and especially like the big, big accounts, they're teaching what worked for them. But the reality Mm -hmm. is that doesn't work for everyone, you know? And so I think it actually, like, it gives me a big advantage that I have worked in so many different industries. Like I worked with, you know, the medical industry, musicians, influencers, brick and mortar stores, digital products, digital, you know, because when you do that, like, you learn strategies and like how to figure out what works for who your audience is. Right. Cause that's really what it comes down to. Like, yeah, I can tell you all day what, what I did and what worked for me, but that's probably not going to work at all for you, you know? And so then you start trying it and you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? It's like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just trying the right, the wrong strategies, you know, like you have to do what works for you. And so that's one of the things that really like annoys me honestly because so many people online are like oh you just have to do this and do this do this do this right and then you'll get 10,000 followers or whatever but it's like (laughs) that it doesn't work like that like it doesn't you have to try you know all of these like 10 different strategies and find what works for you and then do that and if these other five strategies don't work for you like throw it in the freaking trash and stop wasting your time you know like there is there are no one-size-fits-all approaches for social media no there isn't because every like you said everyone's so different Mm -hmm. and the audience that they've already created like who knows what they're into you just have to do that a and b testing that Mm -hmm. takes the time and potentially money yep exactly (laughs) how did you go into pricing your services and your ebooks yeah so for well for the services it was I mean, different than the ebooks. The ebooks, I mean, honestly, it's all just like subjective, right? Like, for example, my Instagram playbook, like, it's priced significantly lower than it <laughs> should be, but that's 
purposeful, right? Like it's like Costco, like they're $5 chickens, right? Like it's a a loss leader. So they lose $40 million a year on their chickens, but they do it because they know it gets people in the door, right? And then you're going to buy more. So that's kind of similar to what I did with say my Instagram playbook, like the value that's in that book, like it would probably be a couple hundred dollars if I'm being honest, but I have it priced for $29.99 because it's kind of that same concept. Like it gets somebody into my world, you know? And then they're, they're going to see that and see like, oh my God, this was so valuable. Like I want to learn more from her, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas something like my services are done for you services, that's going to be completely different because obviously, you know, I'm going to make sure that I am tracking, I mean, not only my time, but also my team's time that's going into that. Because the first thing is we need to make sure that we're being compensated for our time. Right. But then the second half of that is especially for services, like you also need to be compensated for your, your level of knowledge and your level of experience. You know, like when I was just starting out, I'm not going to charge somebody $2,000 a month to run their social media account because I was Mm -hmm. just starting out, right? It's like, I literally don't have any clients yet. You're going to be my first client. But now, like, yeah, I am going to charge people $2,000 a month to run their social media account because it's all inclusive. And, you know, it's covering my time. It's covering my team's time. It's covering that constant, like staying, you know, reading articles every single day, seeing what the new changes are, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's a lot different with services because you kind of have to calculate, you know, what, what people can and will pay for that service, first of all. Second of all, making sure that your time is being compensated. And that's something that I see so many service providers do. They're charging like so like they're charging so little that they're literally end up getting paid like dollars <laughs> for their hours. I'm like, girl, <laughs> like we need to raise your rates, okay? Um, but then also, you know, the the final part of that is is making sure that you're incorporating your level of experience and expertise and the the constant like educating that you have to do for yourself like that all needs to be factored into your pricing so if someone was say I want to start an agency tomorrow I have someone who wants to come on board it's gonna be my first client like what would you suggest charging them well I would say what are you gonna be doing for them (laughs) because that's really you know especially for social media management there are so many different facets of it, right? Like, are you, are you only doing engagement for them? Well, how, how, how much engagement are you doing for them? Are you doing 30 minutes, three days a week? Are you doing one hour a day, five days a week? Are you also taking custom photos for them? Are they getting the full rights for those photos that they can use them in any of their marketing and advertising? Are they only use it, using it for their social media? Are you writing their captions? Like, are you writing captions for three, three pictures a day, five pictures a day? You know, it's so, oh, there's so many gray areas with social media, but it's, I think really what it comes down to is know how much time you're spending on everything that you're doing, know the rights that you're giving for things, especially for stuff like photography. If you're doing any custom like photos or like designing graphics for them, um, if they're getting rights for that, then that needs to be more, you know, a higher cost, but it's just really, you know, calculate the exact time that you're going to be spending doing everything, figure out, okay, how much do you want your hourly rate to be? And that's whatever you want it to be, right? If you feel $20, if that feels aligned for you, then do $20 and multiply that by how many, you know, hours you're spending. And there you go. If you want it to be $50 an hour, like girl, you do you, you know, you have to do the pricing that, that feels aligned for you because what I have 
found kind of on the flip side of it is if I just come out and say, you know, okay, if you're doing full social media management, you're, you know, taking photos, you're doing five, you know, engagement five days a week, posting five days a week, blah, blah, blah. And you, you know, charge them $2,000. Like if you don't feel aligned for that, when you're on that sales call and you go to say like, oh yeah, and it's going to be $2,000 a month. Like you're not going to be, you have to be able to deliver that confidently. And that's kind of one of the biggest, you know, nuances for for booking clients I think is a lot of people get like scared to throw prices out and like they can tell if you're like yeah and it's gonna be you know two thousand dollars but if that you know if that doesn't work for you like we can you know we'll we'll make something work and you know it's like that like don't say that don't say that because that just like you're all you're doing is planning doubt in their brain you know if you just come in and you're like yeah and it's two thousand dollars a month Like, it's just matter of fact, it is what it is. And you sound confident about it. Like, you know, that $2,000 a month is gonna, you know, that's gonna cover all of your, you know, x many hours at this hourly rate that you're putting in, like, tell them that and don't feel bad about that. If it's not for them, then they're, they're not, you know, the right fit for you find somebody else, you know, don't ever compromise, like, don't give more, more work than what you're getting paid for, you know, um, so mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that's not like a hard answer, but <laughs> it's all, it's all subjective, but no, those are good things to think about. Like when you're coming with pricing, because someone can't tell you, Hey, you need to charge this amount. And that's why it's so hard to come up with pricing yourself because you need to answer all these questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and you need to know your worth and what your confident level is. Like if you're not confident, like in your $2,000 pricing, because you don't think you can match that work, then you should be charging. Less. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, I guess, you know, the kind of other side of this is like, also don't be charging too much. Okay. Like if you've only been doing this for a month, like do you sh- probably should not be charging $2,000 a month, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. you, you also have to factor in your, your experience level there. And a lot of this also comes from results too, right? Like if, if a client comes to me and they're like, oh yeah, how much is your full social media management? We're doing these campaigns and we're going to do these influencer campaigns and blah, blah, blah. And like, here's our, our goal. We want to see, you know, this amount ROI, right? Like if somebody's coming to me with something like that, I'm going to charge them a lot more, but I also have results to show it, you know, like I can literally show them okay here's these Shopify stats from this client who we increased their sales by $65,000 you know like that is a big bargaining chip and that's going to allow me to ask for a lot more money versus if you're just starting out and maybe don't have results like that yet you know so that's another thing to just like yes be confident girl like you do you ask for whatever price feels aligned to you but also at the end of the day remember like the more results that you get the more money you can charge too and if you don't have results yet like don't get crazy okay (laughs) (laughs) what is a social media tip like every business owner needs to know I mean be on social media that's like I it's always like amazing to me how many people are so like resistant to it because they're like oh well I don't have the time you know oh I need to be like I you know I need to be focusing on this I need to be doing this I need to be practicing whatever I'm like okay like yeah you can go like lock yourself in a hole and like you know practice learning whatever it is you're doing or but like at the end of the day how how are people gonna know about you though you know like Mm -hmm. if you want to book clients if you want people to know who you are like you need to be on social media and another side to this is just a hot tip for, you know, if you are a business owner and looking at like potentially hiring it out because you don't have time to do it. I think 
one thing that (laughs) needs to be said and you know this I'm gonna be honest is a big reason why I'm facing out of social media is a lot of people don't realize like how much work goes into it if you it's you get what you pay for is all I have to say like I have had so many clients come to me because they hired somebody that was like you know, oh yeah, I know how to use social media, like so-and-so down the street's cousin or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I know how to use social media and they're paying them, you know, hundred bucks a month or whatever. I'm like that knowing how to use social media and knowing how to use social media to make money are two very different things. And so if you want to get somebody who, you know, yeah, is a social media manager, but is also a marketer, you're going to have to pay for that, you know? And so just like, being understanding and even for yourself if you're someone that's like I'm gonna do it myself I'm gonna learn how to do this like hell yeah you can learn how to do it yourself but it is gonna it it does take time you know it's you have to create the content you have to do high quality photos you have to spend time engaging with your audience and talking to people and building those relationships blah 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 like you know it does take time so I think just being being aware of that and being understanding of that but really the way that I look about this is it's a mindset shift you have to look at social media as a part of your business like it is it is your marketing you know that's part of your marketing and every business you should have a marketing budget you know and so it's it's just you instead of looking at it as like oh you know I have so many other things to do because like I'm guilty of this too okay like I have absolutely done this too like oh you know I really need to do this do I really need to like post in my stories today or do I really need to reply to all my dms you know like it's it's your business it's a that answer is up to you but it's your business you know yeah Yeah, that's some pretty good tips thank you for sharing that so one last question what is your favorite website designing platform to use and why Ooh, I love this question I (laughs) I thought you would (laughs) I use Wix so my only exception for Wix is if you are trying to do purely e-commerce then yes you need to be on Shopify because that's what Shopify is for but if you are not. I like Wix. I recommend using Wix. That's what we use in the agency. And the reason for this is because it's so user-friendly to use, right? Like if you go try to use WordPress, like I'm sorry, but I it's already going to take me a couple months to build a website. I don't need to use a couple months to just to try to figure out how to use the platform to build my website, right? Like, oh, WordPress is so confusing. And then Squarespace, yes. which is the other big one, it's really like you can't really customize things outside of their templates unless you know how to code, mm. which is a big con for me. So we prefer Wix because it's super user friendly. Everything is literally drag and drop, which is amazing because especially for us, like we're very conversion based. Like I do tons of research on, you know, like, okay, if I even down to like, if you put your image on on the left side versus the right side of your text, like that increases if somebody will stay on your website or if somebody is going to click, you know? Um, So being able to place things exactly where I want them on a website is huge because it all impacts conversion rates. Um, Now, the other thing, which I know some people, like the biggest thing that I hear with Wix is people are like, oh, it's terrible for SEO. You can't be found on Google with Wix. And that is totally false. Like, let's just go ahead and bust that myth. It used to be that way many, many years ago. Wix was not optimized for 
um, search to be found on Google, but they completely revamped their platform. They even now have like SEO is literally built into the platform. Like they have something called the SEO wizard and you can, I mean, if you wanted to do it yourself, you can go in there and it will like guide you through step by step. And obviously it's just the surface level SEO stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fully optimized for, for SEO, you can still be found on Google. Um, so yeah, Wix, we are team Wix. Yeah. I'm a testimonial to that because I used Wix before I did e-commerce and now I'm on Shopify, but, um, I used Wix and I was mm-hmm. found on Google. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> and it was super easy. Yep. I did it myself, <laughs> but if you can't, which I know a lot of people cannot or don't even want to, Hire someone yep, like you. <laughs> exactly. And SEO is like, honestly, th- this is another thing with web design stuff that like gets me jazzed up. Like SEO is one of those services that we just offer at like an hourly rate, you know, and most, most agencies are charging like thousands of dollars to do SEO. I'm like, it's literally like not that complicated. Like I don't understand, but I mean, that's just my two cents on it. It's because they're the best. <laughs> it's the confidence thing. Some people get, you know, um, I don't even know the term, but you know what I'm saying? It's just too overboard. And it's like those people, those social media marketers who are like, you see on yeah. Instagram who are like, I'm the best. Yeah. Listen to me. Like all the Gary. <laughs> oh yeah. Gary you know? And that's, yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's the pricing cap there. Like, unless you're Gary V. Okay. Like we don't, we, <laughs> I do love him, but he's one of one. Yeah, of one. Exactly. It's like, I feel like that those are the only people that can charge those like exorbitant rates like that. It's like, you know, you still want to make things like, like, don't be, you know, like scamming people over here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I could talk all day about this. I am pretty passionate about social media marketing. I um, was in it for a while. And then I also do a little bit of social media on the side. I mean, it's not like anything I talk about, really. It's not even something I'm really trying to get into. It just kind of like happens organically, Mm -hmm. I guess. But um, there's just so much you could talk about it. There could be like a whole <laughs> series of podcasts. Just you can have just a social yes. media podcast. Oh my god, there's so many things to talk about. <laughs> yes. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's Sunday morning, and you probably have a million things that you could be doing. But I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. And I hope if people are looking for the services that you offer, they take your courses and they download the ebooks and educate themselves or you know if they need a website or anything like that they, where can they all follow yeah, you yeah and thank you so much for having me this was so much fun and um yeah if anybody is interested you can find me the main place that i hang out is going to be instagram my handle is at nicole ricardo it's n i c o l e r i c c a r d o so you can find me on there you can DM me if you have questions. I don't bite. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm happy to <laughs> chat with you. Um, so yeah. Do you do like website evaluations? Like look at someone's website and tell them what to improve yeah, themselves? Yeah, website audits. That's actually, I think, probably our most popular service, honestly. Um, so yeah, we do do websites, uh, website audits through the agency. If you're just wanting, you know, a little like get, get a second pair of eyes on there. Um, 
Oh, I think I'm going to take you up on that one. Because yeah, I that. just let me know. Yeah, we do. We do lots of audits. So we are here for you, whatever you need, whatever we can help support you with. You know, my my main goal and the reason I do all of this is, you know, I just I, I do not want people to have to go through what I did with, <laughs> you know, not being educated on how to do this stuff. So we are here to empower you and help you get out there and make a good ass living doing what you love. <laughs> Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much and enjoy thank the rest you of your day. Too. <laughs> Take Have care. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Boss. Every week I interview a new woman small business owner and we go over the struggles of owning a business, what her story is, and so much more. Please, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And just thank you again for listening. And if you are interested in nominating someone, please go ahead and go to the website, don'tcallmegirlboss.com, and there is a nomination form for you to fill out. Thank you again. Bye.